Hello. My name is Ryan Johnson, and I am the pastor of youth and family outreach here at Cornerstone. We are in the midst of a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, so instead of praying at the start of my sermon, I'd like us all to pray together right now using the words of the Lord's Prayer. Um, Please pray with me out loud using the words that you see on the screen. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today we're looking at the phrase, your kingdom come. What are we saying when we pray, your kingdom come? We're looking at this phrase today through the lens of Matthew 6, verses 24 to 33. There is a war going on in our hearts. There is a struggle going on between whether we will live for God's kingdom or whether we will live for some other kingdom. And if we can see that that war is going on, and if we can see that prayer is one of the main ways that God has given us to win that war, we will see why we need to pray, your kingdom come. So this is Matthew 6, 24 to 33. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I've been slowly gaining weight since high school, and I was reminded of that. Because I got a new suit. I won't ask me to button it. I could. It would be a little stress lines. I officiated a wedding recently. And uh, one of the gifts that the, the, the couple that I officiated for wanted to give me was a new suit. So they asked my suit size, which I told them. And then they provided me with a suit. And I was surprised that uh, it did not fit. And that we were going to need to size up the jacket and the waistline of the pants. So this new suit, this new suit size, is a reminder to me 
that I have been gaining weight since high school. But really, my new suit size is a reminder to me that there is a war going on in my heart. In God's kingdom, food has a purpose. Uh, God gave us food because we need to meet the caloric needs of our bodies. Food, um, by his grace, tastes good. And food is an opportunity for us to enjoy fellowship with other people. Food has a good role in God's kingdom. But food has a very important role in my kingdom of comfort and pleasure and relaxation as well. When I eat a big meal, I feel great. I feel content, satisfied. I feel comfortable. Um, So I like for all of my meals to be big meals, if possible. (laughs) And at the end of the day, you know, it might have been a good day. It might have been a bad day. But at least if there's a big bowl of ice cream at the end of the day, it'll all be okay. Food has a very important role in my kingdom of comfort as well. And I know that there are all kinds of dieting strategies I could try. Maybe like four different diets popped into your head that I could try. And I know that there are ways I could work more physical fitness into my life, or more physical, you know, uh, working out into my life. And I'm working on it. But that is not my point today. My point is that, that there is a war going on in my heart today. And the question is, today, will God's kingdom govern the way I use food? Or will my kingdom of comfort govern the way I use food? And honestly, my new suit size is evidence that I have lost that battle many, many, many times. And in fact, for me, honestly, my new suit size is evidence that I am largely unaware of the war that is going on in my heart. Or that if I'm somewhat aware of it, I vastly underestimate its importance. There is also a battle going on in my heart between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of physical fitness, which sounds very similar. It's related, but it's different. In the kingdom of physical fitness, our worth and our value depends on how physically fit we are. And I am currently failing according to the standards of the kingdom of physical fitness. Sometimes I you know, look in the mirror, and I'm, like, surprised. Like, what happened? Uh, and then when that happens, I feel shame. There has been another time in my life when I was succeeding according to the standards of the kingdom of physical fitness. Believe it or not, 19 years ago, I was a varsity, division one, college, cross-country athlete. During that time, I was succeeding. I, it's embarrassing, I looked for opportunities to take my shirt off. I, I, felt, I felt quite confident. And, and quite frankly, I, I looked down on other people who were not doing as well as I was. My point is that another kingdom can be governing your heart, whether you are succeeding according to the standards of that kingdom, or whether you are failing according to the standards of that kingdom. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The point is that something will be your king. Something will give direction to your life, 
Something will be your highest focus, your highest priority. If it's money, then making and keeping money will be your highest priority. If God is your king, then you'll be focused on knowing him, pleasing him, serving him. But Jesus is saying that there is a war, or there can be a war in our hearts between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of money. And I'm, I'm saying that we can broaden that principle. There, there can be a battle um, in our hearts between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of money, and there may be, but there can also be a, a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of comfort or physical fitness or career advancement or, you know, you name it, the performance of your kids, uh, whatever it could be. We're having a whole sermon series on prayer. But I think the honest truth is that prayer, to, to me, to some of us, to, sometimes, it doesn't feel all that important. It doesn't feel productive. When we start working, we see things happen. When we think about praying, we think, well, it's just going to waste time. I'm not going to get anything done. But if we could see that there is a war going on in our hearts, and if we could see the importance of that war, and if we could see that prayer is one of the main ways that God has given us to win that war, then we would see why we need to pray, your kingdom come. We need to pray that we will live today for God's kingdom instead of for any other kingdom. And the same war that is going on in my heart is going on in your heart, it's going on in all of our hearts, and it's going on in the heart of every single person all around the world. So we're going to see that we need to pray for God's kingdom to come in me, in you, in us, and in the whole world. And the first one of those is going to take a little while. The, the next three will go quickly. So first, we need to pray for God's kingdom to come in ourselves. Jesus focused on the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of money. So is there a battle in your heart between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of money? If you're living for the kingdom of money, you'll be focused on money. Our passage said that we, we can seek after food and drink and clothing. If you are living for the kingdom of money, you will be focused on the things that help you make and keep money. Improving your financial situation will be exciting to you, motivating to you. People in our area, geographically, I don't think are, are largely ostentatious or showy about money. I think we are more focused on financial security. So if you're living for the kingdom of money, you may be focused, a, a central motivator in your life may be saving for retirement, paying off debt, saving for future, future goals, whatever they may be. If you're living for the kingdom of money, the emotional impact will be anxiety. We, said, we saw that several times in our passage. Jesus says, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? If you are looking to money as your source of security, you will feel like you never have enough. You'll feel like you'll always need more money to cover the next bill. You'll always feel like you need more money to, do I have enough for retirement? Do I have enough to pay for my kids' college? If you're living for the kingdom of money, it will impact your relationship with God. You'll feel like you're on your own. You'll feel like it's up to you to work and save and provide for yourself. 
If you're living for the kingdom of God, your focus will be on God and his kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. So you'll be focused on knowing God better. You will enjoy things like reading his word, praying, spending time with believers. You will be excited to serve in his kingdom. You'll be excited about evangelism, sharing the good news of the gospel with non-Christians. You'll be excited about discipleship, helping others grow in their faith, serving in the church, serving in the world in various ways. It'll be a, a priority. It'll be something that you'll structure your life around. If you're living for the kingdom of God, the emotional impact with regard to money will be peace and contentment. God has always provided for us in the past, and he's going to continue providing for us in the future. And if we're living for the kingdom of God, uh, we know that our, our sense of security comes from his faithfulness to us, um, not ourselves. And if you're living for the kingdom of God, the impact on your relationship with God will be trust. You know the one who provides for the birds, you know the one who provides for the flowers, and you know that he will take care of you as well. It can be hard to discern which kingdom you're in. So Jesus points us to the, the point of conflict between those two kingdoms. He says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. So when you can't live for both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of money simultaneously, which one wins out? That will show you where your ultimate loyalty really lies. So do you tithe? Do you give a full 10% of your annual income to the church? Tithing doesn't make any sense if you're living for the kingdom of money, but it makes all kinds of sense if you're living for the kingdom of God. Do you give more than a tithe? We live in the richest country in the world at the richest time of history, and we live in one of the richest counties in the richest country. Uh, I saw an article recently from Walt, actually, that, that showed that um, in this area, we are, we are, the, we are the fourth, we, have the, we are the fourth densest area for millionaires of any county or any area in the country. 8.5% of households in St. Mary's County have investable assets of more than a million dollars. So we, we may feel like we need more money, but in, in comparison with the rest of the world, we are incredibly wealthy. So do we give more than 10% of our income to the work of God's kingdom? And I would say, if your response to that is, how much of my money does he want? Then that may be an indicator where you're living. And if your response to that is, that's true. What more can I give? God's kingdom is what I'm living for. How much can I give? Then that's an indicator of where you're living. Also, do you automatically assume that you should do things that would advance your career? I, you know, just in conversations, I've heard that opportunities come up for advanced degrees, uh, for voluntary work travel, for promotions. You know, when those things come up, do you automatically assume, of course I should do that. That would increase my income and my job security. Or is your first thought, I am living for God's kingdom. Would that be good for God's kingdom? That might take time away from church. That might take time away from my family. Is that best? It may be. But is that your starting place? Is your first thought, what would be best for God's kingdom? 
our passage for today shows us that there is a battle, or there can be a battle, in our hearts between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of money. Jesus focuses on this, you know, kingdom of money, but I think we can broaden it. Our, our hearts can be battling with many other kingdoms. I think our hearts are kind of like Germany in World War I. Germany was surrounded by conflict in every direction. I think that's how our hearts are right now. The question is not whether there is a battle in your heart. I'm confident there is. The question is not even which, which thing battles in my heart with God's kingdom. I don't, I don't even have a question about that. Everything, everything battles in your heart with God's kingdom. The question is, where is the conflict most fierce for you today? So in, in Germany, in World War I, on September 6, 1914, the, the conflict was especially fierce at the Battle of the Marne. On February 21st, 1916, the conflict around Germany was especially fierce at the Battle of Verdun. My, that's your heart. My question is, where is the conflict especially fierce for you today? What kingdom have you been fighting against this week? What, where, has your, where have you been losing ground in your heart to another kingdom in, recently? Someone once said that Satan wants us to stay focused on where the battle isn't. I'm, I'm asking us all to be honest with ourselves about where the battle actually is right now. If you're like me, when I hear things like this, I, something jumps to my head. And I say, okay, I'm not going to work on that, so pass. Um, now, tier two. Okay, still uncomfortable. Pass. Tier three. That we can work on. So I'm just asking you, go back to tier one. Now you're probably, in, I mean, in your heart, you may be fighting, saying, you may come up with justifications. Like, no, that's actually not that bad. Or you may, you may be, even be able to quote a Bible verse in support of, you know, what you're thinking about. I'm saying, once you've found the place where you're defensive, you know where the battle is. Once you see that there is a battle in your heart between God's kingdom and other kingdoms, you see why you need to pray. Because, quite frankly, it is hard to live for God's kingdom. Sometimes we don't even want to. But living for other kingdoms, it's hurting me, it's hurting you, it's hurting God, it's hurting other people. So we need to pray for God's kingdom to come. We need need to pray that we will live for God's kingdom instead of for other kingdoms. We need to pray specifically confessing how we've been living for other kingdoms. We need to repent, turning back to God's kingdom. We need to worship the only true king, and we need to ask for God's help. So this may be a little awkward, I'm not sure. I'm going to go ahead and model this for you. I'm going to actually pray out loud in front of you for, the, um, for the, the struggle I talked about at the beginning. So I'm just going to let you listen in as I pray. Let's pray. God, I confess that I frequently live for the kingdom of comfort and relaxation rather than for your kingdom. And I confess this applies in particular to the way I use food. I don't even think about it. I overeat regularly. I overeat pretty much every day because it gives me a sense of satisfaction and comfort. God, I repent. I have looked to food for the satisfaction and comfort that comes from you. 
your presence, and your love for me. By living for the kingdom of comfort, I have been unfaithful to you, disloyal to you. God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I believe that your kingdom is the only one worth living for, and I return to you with all of my heart. God, I worship you. You are the creator. You are the king. Jesus, I praise you for your love, for your grace, for your compassion for me, that you would die on the cross for my sins. I feast my soul on you, Jesus, and I look forward to enjoying relationship with you forever. Help me, God. The pull of the kingdom of comfort is strong. I am dependent on you to win this battle. Help me, Lord, to live for your kingdom, moment by moment, evidenced even in the way I use food. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Sometimes prayer seems pointless. It seems like it would be more productive to get to work. But if you can see that there is a war going on in your heart, and if you can see that prayer is one of the main ways that God has given you to win that war, you will see why you need to pray. And the same battle that is taking place in your heart is taking place in everyone else's heart too. That's why we need to pray for God's kingdom to come in others. It is good to pray for people for all kinds of things. It's good to pray for jobs and health and traveling mercies. God loves us and he cares about all of our needs. But there is a war going on in the heart of your spouse. There is a war going on in the heart of your kids and in your parents. There is a massive power struggle going on between whether they will live today for God's kingdom or whether they will live for some other kingdom. And there are massive consequences for them and for others if they lose that battle. If we could see the war going on in the hearts of people around us, we would understand why we need to pray for them. Paul David Tripp says, When your ears hear and your eyes see the sin, weakness, or failure of your husband or wife or child or parent or coworker or friend, it is never an accident. It is always grace. God loves your spouse, and he is committed to transforming him or her by his grace. And he has chosen you to be one of his regular tools of change. So he will cause you to see, hear, and experience your spouse's need for change so that you can be an agent of his rescue. So what kingdom competes in the heart of your loved ones for God's kingdom? People give indications all the time by the things that excite them, the things they'll get angry about. Um, people give indications in you know, what they say, what they do, what worries them. The point is not to identify their flaw and then just hammer them, right? Um, Paul David Tripp says, don't turn moments of ministry into moments of anger. The point is to participate in God's work of drawing them back to his kingdom. And sometimes that does happen with words. Sometimes you can encourage people, challenge people, ask questions that will help them identify the battle that's going on in their hearts. But another thing you can do is just pray for them. Pray that they will see this battle going on in their hearts. Pray that they will see that this other kingdom is not worth living for. 
Pray that they will seek God and live for his kingdom. Pray that you'll have an opportunity to talk with them about it. Sometimes it doesn't feel productive to pray for people. You may think it'd be better to plan a date night or go wash the dishes. It feels more productive. But there is a war going on in the heart of your spouse. And your prayers for your spouse are one of the main ways God has given them to win that war. So we need to pray for others. We also need to pray for God's kingdom to come in us as a group. If you are trusting in Christ, you are in God's kingdom. Each of us individually joins God's kingdom when we first bow our knee to Jesus Christ and accept him as our savior and king. So if you are trusting in Christ, you are in the kingdom of God. When other people see you interacting with other Christians, whether here or in your family or uh, you know, with your Christian friends, they should be seeing a little snapshot of what the kingdom of God is like. They should see your interactions and they should say, wow, now I know what the kingdom of God is like, and it is awesome. We're not, I mean, we're still sinners, so obviously they're not going to see perfection. But, but they should see people who genuinely love each other and care for each other. They should see humble people who apologize to each other when we're wrong. They should see forgiveness and reconciliation. They should see joy in the midst of difficulty. They should see peace in the midst of trouble. They should see us honoring one another and considering one another more uh, significant than ourselves. They should see generosity, hospitality, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. When people see you interacting with other Christians, they should say, wow. The problem is, there is a war going on in our hearts between the kingdom of God and other kingdoms. And if I'm living for the kingdom of comfort, and you're living for the kingdom of financial security, and someone else is living for the kingdom of their perfect family, and we're all living for different kingdoms, the world just looks at us and they're like, yeah, that's what I'm used to. We're an equally bad picture of the kingdom of God when we all submit to the same king, but it's the wrong king. I think many of us here are tempted to submit to the king of success, or the king, live for the kingdom of success. Success professionally, financially, in our families, in physical fitness, even in Christian ministry. And I think this one is deceptive because it's so close to being right. But God has not called us primarily to be successful. He's primarily called us to be faithful. And faithfulness, does, faithfulness to God does involve doing things well, to the best of our ability, for him. But he's the one who's on top, not success. If we're living for the kingdom of success, the world looks at us and they're like, yeah, me too. If we're all living for different kingdoms, the world looks at us and they say, yeah, that's what I'm used to. But if we're all submitted to the same God, and if we're all living for the same kingdom, and if we're all marching to the beat of his drum, then the world can look at us and see something beautiful. <laughs> Ben's got me.
us in wonder. <laughs> so we don't have to all sing in a flash mob. My point is, if we're submitting to God as our king, if we're living for his kingdom, we will look a little different than the world, but in a good way, not like that. So let's pray for each other. How much time do we spend praying for each other? And how often do we get past things like health, family, school, work? There is a war going on in the heart of every single person here. And our prayers for them are one of the main ways that God has given them of winning that war. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for us that we will submit to the true king today so that when the world looks at us, they will say, We also need to pray for God's kingdom to come in the whole world. God has always been the king of the whole world. From the moment he created everything, he has always been the king. Psalm 24, uh, it talks about God's creation. He says, the earth, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it on the rivers. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. God has always been the king of the whole world, but starting with Adam and Eve, we have rebelled against him. We have wanted to be the highest authority in our lives. And since that moment, there has been a power struggle between his kingdom and our kingdom. Us rebelling against his authority is insurrection, treason, and he would be, be within his rights to crush us. But instead, our, our king came to us humbly. He came as a baby. He was born into a poor family. He was laid in a manger. When he came, his first message to us was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom was at hand. It had come in a special way because the king had come. And Jesus was inviting everyone and us to repent. To, to stop being the highest authority in our lives and to enter into his kingdom by recognizing him as the highest authority. Jesus told us what his kingdom is like. We saw it in our passage for today. Uh, it's, it's a, the king is a good king. He provides for us like he provides for the birds and the flowers. And it is a righteous kingdom. It, it is a kingdom where everything is right, where everything is the way it's supposed to be. Jesus showed us in his, earthly kingdom, or in his earthly ministry what the kingdom of God is like. When the king is around, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And then Jesus showed us in the cross what his kingdom is like. A good king who was willing to die for rebellious subjects, suffer and die for us so that we who had chosen ourselves instead of him would be welcomed into his kingdom. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, if you have bowed your knee to him, if you have recognized him as the king, then you are in his kingdom. Until then, until Jesus returns, we live in the already and the not yet. God's kingdom has already been inaugurated because the king has come. 
but God's kingdom has not yet been fully consummated because Jesus has not yet returned. Until he comes, we live in the already and the not yet. And during the already and the not yet, there is a war going on, not just in me, not just in you, not just in us, but in the hearts of every single person in the world. And so we need to pray for God's kingdom to come in them. We need to pray that they will bow their knee to Jesus and enter into his kingdom, recognizing him as their savior and king. We need to pray for everything that needs to happen between now and then. And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We need to pray for missionaries and ordinary Christians everywhere to share the good news of what Christ has done so that people can enter into God's kingdom. And finally, we need to pray for God's kingdom to come in the final and ultimate sense. Revelation 20, 22 says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We need to pray, Come, Jesus, fix everything. Come, set up your kingdom. Make it right again. Make things the way they're supposed to be. Come so that this war going on in my heart and all of our hearts will be over. And our hearts will be for you alone. Imagine someone living in London during World War II, but they don't participate in any of the calls for voluntary rationing, they don't take shelter when the air raid siren goes off, and at night during the air raids, they leave their lights on. Their friends or their neighbors, would, they wouldn't let it happen, honestly. They wouldn't let it happen. They would say, there's a war going on. And your behavior does not make sense in light of what is happening. And that's simply my point. There is a war going on in my heart, in your heart, in all of our hearts. And the behavior that is appropriate, given that war, is prayer. Prayer is one of the main weapons that God has given all of us to win that war. Jesus says, pray then like this, your kingdom come. So let's pray. Let's pray for God's kingdom to come in me. Please pray. Pray for God's kingdom to come in you. Pray for God's kingdom to come in all of us. And pray for God's kingdom to come in all the world. Let's pray. Lord, I, I ask that you would help us to see the battle going on in our hearts between your kingdom and other kingdoms. Lord, we, we want to live for your kingdom. Stir us, stir in us a desire, a passion, a need to pray for ourselves, for others, for us, for the whole world, that we would live for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand.